Today's podcast is with the prosecuting attorney of Jefferson County, Matt Harvey. Matt tells me a little bit about his background, tells me what it was like to run for the position that he won, and breaks down how him and his team have been improving things in Jefferson County. Let's hear what Matt has to say. Have you heard of the Try This West Virginia conference? If you're somebody who is working to build a healthier West Virginia, then you should join the over 500 like-minded people this year at the 7th Annual Conference. Uh, It's in Buckhannon, West Virginia. This year it's on June 12th and June 13th. Go there to learn about grassroots efforts that are taking place from all around the state, from community gardens to yoga in schools, running and biking programs, and even maybe building a community recreation center. Once you've networked around the conference, there's also opportunities to learn how to apply for grant funding for a project in your own community. Enjoy two days of healthy food, physical activity, and mindful living. Register before March 15th for early bird rates at trythiswv.com conference. Matt Harvey, thank you very much for being on the Break It Down for Bracken's podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. You're, you're a busy guy. you got a busy office. Um, you are the prosecuting attorney for Jefferson County. I am. Yeah. Awesome. Let's first learn about who you are. Tell me some background. Well, Kevin, I am originally from southern West Virginia, uh, Monroe County, and I came to the Panhandle in 2005 for employment. I went to work at the Berkeley County Prosecutor's Office as an assistant prosecutor there and really enjoyed that tremendously. That yeah, was basically my first position out of law school where I was able to learn how to become a lawyer and develop the skills that I think um, I that I thought was necessary to pursue the type of law and the career that I wanted and um, I did leave in 2009 and, and go to Kanawha County to be an assistant prosecutor there and um, you know being from southern West Virginia that put me closer to my parents it went from a four-hour drive to an hour and a 45-minute drive, which is a day trip. Um, and I, I, but I, I wasn't happy there in Charleston and uh, Kanawha County. And uh, so I came back in 2010 as, and went into private practice um, in Martinsburg doing criminal defense. And then in 2016, I ran for to be the prosecutor attorney in Jefferson County and and uh, very honored that I was uh, bestowed that responsibility and that opportunity so I've been been here ever since nice family hobbies hobbies uh, well family let's start with family because uh, that is is on the forefront of my of my life right now and, and everything that I'm doing is, is is I'm married to my wife Sarah she works at Berkeley Medical Center, and we've been married since 2015. And uh, we are expanding our family midsummer. Nice, big for, news. First child for either one of us. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> nice. And then, um, and we have Monroe. Yeah, temp up Monroe. The dog. He's actually uh, at my feet right now. Very quiet. Yes. He. Well, you know, he's he's working, Kevin. He's on duty. He does. No, seriously. So when you when you come in here, we have a board up with with attorneys and and tells you where you're in court or stuff. Monroe's name is up there as well because we use them to comfort children and oh. victims. 
That's really good. And uh, as you can tell, all he does is he's just laying at your feet, or is he laying on your feet? No, no, he's just at my feet. Okay, good, 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 good. So he he comes here almost every day, um, and he's got his routine. He knows who's holding treats, and he goes from desk to desk and sees everybody. And then he he's got a bed, or he goes and gets under someone's desk, and he just hangs out all day. And how long you had Monroe? I've had him since 2010, mm-hmm. and he's named after my home county, Monroe. So that's slick. That's yeah. slick. Yeah. All right, cool. So in 2016 is when you won the, the position. Yes. And then uh, why? Why did you decide to go for the top prosecuting attorney position in Jefferson? Well, as I stated earlier, you know, I had such a good experience being a prosecutor in Berkeley County, being an assistant prosecutor in Berkeley County, like the I love the work and I have a, I had a passion for it, and I'm I love the work as a defense attorney as well, representing people on an individual basis and defending their rights. Um, I was, I'm proud of that work as well, um, but I saw an opportunity down here that to do the most amount of do the biggest amount of good for the community. I I'm, you know, I live in Jefferson County, and that's where my wife and I, we didn't always, we, we were living in Berkeley County, but we, we chose to come to Jefferson County. That was a, we, we wanted to be in this county. We wanted to be involved with this community because this, we love it here. And, um, you know, I'm not from Jefferson County, but I got here just as soon as I could is what I like to say. And, you know, Kevin, as someone, as a member of the community yourself, it's it's great. Yes. So I wanted to give back to the people that are, you know, what I consider my new family and serve this community. And what think about it. I get to wake up every morning and serve my community. Yeah. That's my job. It's a good feeling. It's awesome feeling. It's an awesome feeling. And there was a lot that I could accomplish professionally and serve my community. I have a heart for service and because that what really makes me feel connected to the community is by serving it. And it's such a good feeling. And I get to do that every day. And I, I feel like that I have a lot to give to the legal community from this position and be, as well as the greater community. And that's what I set off to do. Well, before we get too deep in that, let's talk about um, what was your platform? Like, how did you convince people to vote for you? <sighs> It was, it, it's, it's the drug epidemic, mm-hmm. heroin, opiate, opioids, um, which are, you know, identical, but one's a prescribed medication in my mind. And then one's, a, you know, the illicit street drug. They're both, they're the same thing. They're just how they're delivered. And it's still deadly and dangerous and it's still a raging epidemic and it's probably worse than people think. It is getting better. We are devoting more resources to the problem. And the community sentiment, I think, has come a long way to understanding the root of the problems and how to solve those problems. Um, this is this is an exclusive, but I, I can tell you last year, I, I got this information last week, and, oh, man, it just like, it was like a kick in my stomach. It was a gut punch for sure. We had 22 overdose deaths last year in Jefferson County. Okay. That's not not all from one particular drug, not all fentanyl. Well, heroin's now evolved into fentanyl, which is 100 times the strength of 
regular heroin and then carfentanil is a thousand times or or something to that. I forget what the multiplier is exactly, but they're so concentrated and um, it's really a, a... Let's back up a second. Yep. For someone who doesn't understand the scope, is 22 high or low? That's high. Okay. But I mean... That's a lot. But that, that creates perspective. So I understand Sure. at 22... Well, okay, so this, I guess you said deaths. So, it's not ODs. So ODs right, is probably... I'm not counting those. Right. I don't have those numbers. And so what what I have people in my office we're working on right now is... Um, and I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with this once I... I know what I'm going to do personally with it. But I'm having all the obituaries pulled. And um, I don't know if I'm going to make those public or not out of respect for the families. Sure. But I'm going to certainly read every obituary of those people. And then I'm going to do a deeper dive in to see if they hit the court system last year. Cause that's the extent of my reach in a lot of cases mm-hmm. is when someone gets caught and it, you know, is now in the system, so to speak. And which is not the ideal way to get services or recovery because it's forced. And if there was a, a better I mean, sometimes that is the only way that people get it, right? I understand that's so we're going. We're not going to stop doing it, but um, you you lose control over your recovery when it's forced upon you in a way. But we we have great resources like our day report center and our drug court, and we are trying to utilize as many tools as possible to help those who are in need and we're doing that for a lot of reasons Uh, number one we're trying to save lives number two we're trying to save property and that sounds kind of callous but look people don't want their homes broken into and if we can get services to someone and keep them from breaking into someone's home man i feel like you're jumping ahead on my content plan here hold on hold us hold on one second i love where you're going with this okay but i first in the getting to know you part okay okay I would rather talk about what we're doing. I, you can no, see I'm, I, I'm a, I know you're excited. my energy is getting and charged I, And up. I'm going to tie this back around to where I was <laughs> in my, my question, right? When I – I wanted to know how you were communi- communicating oh. your – okay. We're, we're pausing for one second due to noise violations in the background. <laughs> what I'm going to ask Matt here in a second is how did he communicate – his passion and his platform to people to convince them to vote for you one and then based on what it sounds like you're able to create a narrative what you're trying to do with these people that passed away is you're going to create a narrative to create that they're you're going to actually try and find the you're going to find what path these people went down and is there a way to get in front of people in the future to make it better for them but how did you convince me to vote for you? Like, did you? Did I? I'm just kidding. Well, yeah. I, I mean, come on, Matt. Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that the we're still getting to know you as a person and your passion and what expertise you brought to the table to make you awesome for this position. And then we're going to tie into all the successes and what you're doing to conquer the challenges. Well, you know, that's a very difficult question about when you ask someone why they want a, a, a campaign. No, 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 no. We're, we're, you're missing or, my point. So okay, yeah. here, here's the deal. You put up your sign at the county fair 
and it says Matt Harvey running for prosecuting attorney. Yes. How do I even know what questions to ask you? And then what do you, if I walk up and say, oh, hey, I'm Kevin Brackens. Tell me what you're going to do. What are your moves? What are your top three things you're going to tell people that were your targets? When I was campaigning, my was the heroin epidemic. Right. The backlog of cases. Okay. And veterans court. Okay. Veterans court. What's that? Let's say someone who has served in our military is um, having legal troubles due to service. You know, maybe PTSD okay. is is manifesting itself in actions that we find to be against a polite society, right? Or so they break the law. Maybe it's a DUI. Maybe it's a shoplifting charge. However, it manifests itself. Well, we can divert that person into a specialized court because this is a different population than um, just say a regular addict because they might have, because it's service related that, that may take a different touch than we can give them. So that is de slowly developing. It hasn't developed the way that, or as fast as I want. And I, and I think that's probably been the thing that I've been most frustrated with is how long it takes things to develop and to turn a ship around um but uh, the legis the supreme court kind of killed drug courts and in the not our current supreme court but um when when alan lawfrey was on the supreme court oh man he just uh cut the funding that's when the supreme court had control of their own budget and they really it's just like it was like a war on drug courts and included in that was veterans court. So there was there was starting to there had been a seed planted for growth, and there was a pilot program, and then that withered. Okay. And then now, now it's starting to grow again. The, the, the legislature has addressed that issue, and we're starting to reestablish them across the state. And it may end up to where it's a regional program, which I would support because when you combine our populations with Berkeley County, then we're probably going to have a we can't have a court for one or two participants, a specialized court. But there might be enough between the two or three counties because we're one judicial circuit. We're in, it's Morgan, Berkeley, and Jefferson are one judicial circuit. We may have enough. Plus, we have the, the VA that's available to us in uh, Berkeley County that would be a partner in that. Okay. Okay, and then I understand that. So you win the office. I want to describe what the office is. Okay. okay. How many assistant prosecutors are there? In, okay. In, with you. So I am the prosecuting attorney, and there I have nine assistant prosecuting attorneys, and you know that requires those are that's a legal position that requires a law degree, being good standing with the West Virginia State Bar, and then whatever requirement that I may have, like experience or anything like that. And how so, many did you start off with? Um, there would have been nine, including me. So I've been able to add one okay. through restructuring and, um, add one more position to our office. Okay. It was needed to squarely address the heroin epidemic. And you guys are at full volume. We're at full volume. There's 21 total employees for this office. The rest would be support staff, paralegals, and we have four victims advocates. Okay, and before we talk about the challenges that the the county or your office sees, let's talk about who you collaborate with. Like, what law enforcement 
agencies in the county are you working with? All of them. Okay. All of them. I'm I'm responsible. I when I say I, I mean the prosecuting attorney for each county is responsible for to um, is has the responsibility to. Uh, I don't want. Trying to search for a good word for all the criminal business that occurs within the confines of that county. So I I represent the state of West Virginia as the prosecuting attorney, and then if there's a crime committed in whatever municipality or within Jefferson County, as long as it's not like in the fed on federal grounds or okay. Harper's Ferry, that's excluded. Then I have then my office is responsible and has the duty to prosecute that case. Traffic? It can be traffic. Now, I will say that, that the municipalities also have a, a court as well. They have municipal court. And looking around the county, they, they are, like if it's a parking ticket or a speeding ticket, they generally handle that in municipal court. But then when the cases start getting a little bit more serious, DUIs, domestic batteries, and then all the felonies. All the felonies have to come to this office. Is municipal court where the magistrates are? No. Okay. Break, break, <laughs> let's see how we're breaking it down for brackets right now. There's so much that uh, I don't want to assume anything. So a municipal court has a municipal judge. They have a municipal judge. They have a municipal prosecutor who's not me. Okay. And and couldn't be me by, by statute. I'm not allowed to do any other sort of – I'm not allowed to do any other legal work beyond – my statutory duties as the prosecutor for Jefferson County. So then felony and above is what you're dealing with. I don't know what's above a felony. That's Good call. Yeah, so just basically the Serious felonies. misdemeanors and above. Okay. Yeah, like the parking tickets, and, and th th they can bring them to state court, but they don't have to. That's a that's a decision that the officer will make. Okay. If you were, if you were to identify like the number one challenge that your office is dealing with when it comes to violent crimes or serious crimes what's the first one you want to talk about this is when you get to get fired up and oh, it's the drug it's okay. drugs it's the, uh, the heroin epidemic uh, i couldn't i can't believe i see in other words, i'm not in i'm not in heroin okay so heroin so heroin is x strong and in my mind that's it's got to be one heck of a drug anyways but then you're saying that fentanyl is a hundred times yeah uh, I, what how, it, the, how is it even possible it, it's it's I, i'm not again i'm i'm just I might be off on the multiplier, but it's approximately right. So it, I, I'll tell you this. So it's so strong that the police officers um, aren't supposed to be field testing it be because accidental uh, contact with their oh skin God. or something could result in an overdose. Or if they do field test it, they have to have someone there with to supervise them with Narcan. That's incredible. That's that's incredible that yeah. that something like that even exists, and then it's like a and car fentanyl, which is even worse than that. I mean, it, it's like a dirty bomb. Wow! Like in the wrong hands, right? If it if it was a being shipped in the mail and the and the mail truck has a crash going down eighty one, and I mean, who knows what, what could happen? It could be disastrous. So, what are some ways your office is um, attacking this challenge? The best way to attack it is to kill the demand. Okay. We'll never kill the supply. That's been a 40-year effort, the right. war on drugs, to kill the supply side. What has that gotten us? A trillion dollars spent. Drugs are more prevalent. They're higher potency. And there's more people using them. Okay. So that does, that's not going to work. Um, 
I don't think that we, I'm not saying we should abandon going after the dealers, right. but it's, this is raw capitalism. This is basic econ 101. If there's a market, they'll, they're going to supply it. How do you go about killing the demand? I, I don't know. Okay. I don't, I don't know. We're just trying anything and everything that we can. So, you know, obviously. Well, in my mind, the math goes like this. You catch somebody uh, with heroin. I assume that's the, probably the most, that's the entry level for dealing on that sort of deal. And they get caught with um, the intent to distribute. And then you, you basically got to put them in jail. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's oversimplified. We drug, let's oh, drugs, excuse me. Jail is a tool. Okay. Okay. Now I, there's a lot of efforts for alternative sentencing. There's a big push for it. There's a demand for it. Tell right me about now. that then. And, and I don't disagree with that. I, I see alternative sentencing options as another tool in the toolbox. So if I hired you to paint my house and you showed up with one, size brush I'm probably not going to think you're much of a painter right but if you show up with a truck with ladders different types of paint tape <laughs> numerous tools numerous tools okay this person knows what they're doing you know they, they they're ready for any situation or or any eventuality that, that that's going to come up when they're doing their job that's the way I view our drug courts our day reports our other community partners that we have that are bringing services, they're a tool for us. And, you know, if I had my way about it, I would get these services out. And I'm trying to, through my office as much as I possibly can, to hit people before they hit, they're in trouble with the law and uh, through prevention and education. Now, once they hit, it, look, if, if they're, I don't care if they're a heroin user. Or I don't care if they're they have the disease of addiction, okay. however you want to say it. If they commit a crime of violence, they're going to prison. Right. They have. I'm that. That is not something that we can turn a blind eye to. You've mentioned this in the past to me. Like, if somebody's violent, you're gonna you're gonna do something about it. Absolutely. If it's a drug only kind of conviction, there's plenty of options to figure out a way to help this person get right. off drugs. Um, they can do the programs. They got to check in all the time. Correct. Where there's uh, urine analysis all the time, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. We can, you know, they can, they can take, if we don't like they have a Vivitrol shot and that blocks people from getting high off heroin. Right. And it's an injectable at 28 days. And so there's no diversion of the drug and it has, it's expensive, but it seems to work pretty well when people are on it and they maintain getting the shot. Once they get off, then they fall back into bad habits. But if, you know, if they've broken into someone's house in the middle of the night while, while family's home, that's not an appropriate option for them. And let me be very clear to anybody listening is my office doesn't get in the business of determining what someone's treatment path or plan looks like i leave that to experts we get them to the day report they figure out what 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 those people need i don't interfere with that they only let me know once they stop coming and it's man there's so many there's so many levels here so it's court order that they go to day report so a judge tells them go to day report 
Right. And your office is there to say, hey, here's where this guy is going wrong as the explainer. Or the stick. And you bring the charges. Yeah. You know, there's the carrot. They're the, the DRC is the carrot. We're the stick. So DRC. Day report center. Sorry, bro. I, 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 okay, good. No, no, no. Sometimes I seem real dense, but I, I'm not picking it all up. I'm, I'm, I'm literally sitting in these conversations trying to retain as much as I can on the first dose. So um, that that's really great. It's a great system. How is that? Is that different or similar to other counties prosecuting offices? The day report centers? No, I mean like what you're doing in this plan with – yeah, if it's violent, we're gonna put them in jail. If oh it's, yeah, that that's that's just across the board. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I mean, I've I've heard some horror stories of other jurisdictions, but I mean, I don't know of any prosecutors. Even I don't care where they're at in that space, getting treatment or recovery to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it sat down and talked to a victim who's had their home broken into, and that's it's, one thing. It's gotta that people, be devastating, right? Well, you're supposed to be secure in your home. You're supposed to feel safe there. When someone violates that, you know, doing community service doesn't give that back to that person. Right. It's knowing that they're incapacitated, that they can't do it again, does provide some sort of relief. Even that doesn't put them back to hold. There's always that scar, that emotional scar, and it's very... um, that, that, that's the hard part of my job. I get it. So that's another perspective I haven't really thought about is the perspective of the um, of the victim. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll never – victims' rights will not get pushed to the background in, in this office. So if I had a hypothetical um, – somebody breaks into a house and there's an assault, um, you're going to catch the guy or the, you're going to catch the person and – it, it comes down just the severity of what happened in that assault or in that breaking and entering right. and, and I guess burglary or whatever it, it is. Um, in my mind, for whatever reason, I only process it as, okay, you caught somebody who did a crime. Let's give them the proper punishment. I never took into consideration what the, the effect on the victim might've been. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. Right. It's, and we, 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 and, bend over backwards to allow victims input into our cases. And by that, I mean, we, you know, the victims advocates that we have, we have four of them, which is tremendous for West Virginia. And a lot of that is that's, we've expanded that by two since I've been in office. What do victims advocates do? They will, they are basically what they sound like. They advocate on behalf of the victim. Can you give me this a a random example? The, Let's say there's a domestic battery situation, and they will reach out to the victim and let them know about court, number one. Let them know that we have service. If they, you know, here's here's a letter. Here's some services we, you know, if you need something, let us know, and we'll help you. They'll help find services if they need services, especially on, like, may, maybe a more serious case, which is a sexual assault. Um, they will explain to them how the process works. The court system and answer any questions they have about it. But also they'll come to us as the prosecutors and say, Hey, here's this. We've talked to this victim and you know, they say it's a smaller case. Um, They want, they don't want to see the offender go to jail, but they want uh, classes. They want to see him go to a, a batter's intervention program. 
and get better. They, they love them. They don't, they want to try to fix them. We'll take that into consideration. Or they may like come to us and say um, that they need to go to jail. And we'll absolutely take that into consideration. Or a lot of times they, I don't want any, I don't want anything to happen. I want this case to be dismissed. I didn't mean for it to get this far. I just wanted the police intervention that night. Those are the, generally the three tracks that those types of cases take and what they deal with. And, and, you know, there's not a right or wrong for, it's not, I'm not going to be, I'm not the type of person to think that I know better how someone should feel after they've had something bad happen to them. There, there is no right or wrong answer. They feel how they feel. And we need to understand that. And it's frustrating sometimes when we have a victim who doesn't want to cooperate. And um, that doesn't mean that the case goes away, though. It can in some instances, but it's not an absolute thing. Like, oh, I'm not going to testify. I'm not going to testify. We hear that a lot. Yeah, you might. Right. It might make you. If not, you'll sit in jail until you decide to testify. There's a lot of really heavy content there. Like, that's a lot of – I guess the next question would be then how many – how many – how do we? How do you define a violent crime versus a nonviolent crime? How is that defined? <clears throat> well, our Supreme Court actually has <laughs> done a lot of work in that area for us and defined what a, a violent a crime of violence is, um, and that is more for recidivist and sentencing purposes. Um, it means actual or the potential for violence. Um, I consider a burglary a crime of violence. Okay. Is if you if you break into someone's house and there's a person there's a homeowner there or a person residing in the house, I consider that a crime of violence. Even that may let's say that there's no violence that happens, there's the potential for violence. So we look at that as a we consider that a crime of violence. Okay. Obviously, a battery is oh, the, yeah. is a physical striking of someone or what we we have a, a felony level called malicious wounding. It's a little more serious injury. Like there's a some they use an instrument. They they say someone hits someone with a baseball bat, fractures a skull. Sure. Uh, obviously, attempted murder or and murder are sexual assaults, sexual abuse. Okay, and then stealing a car, not still a felony, but not C- correct. Correct. It, it, by itself. Now, if there's a pursuit afterwards, that becomes violent. I, I, I think so. There's a potential for violence. Man, there's just <clears> – <throat> I try to behave in my whole life. So um, basically it's so sure. much this is new Most to me. Most people do. And, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not even thinking about stuff like this. Uh, this, this. I remember seeing a study when I was going to leadership um, West Virginia and it, it or, or somebody showed us a, a report. And it may not have been true and I didn't look up the stats or see where the research came from, but it had the top ten safest towns to – live in in West Virginia based on numbers of violent crimes to population. Correct. And then uh, <clears throat> I believe Charlestown was number six or number seven safest, you know, and that's, does that sound right to you when it comes to the numbers and how it works? It sounds a little low to me. I think Charlestown's a really safe place. I mean, I feel oh, you mean it seems low as in it should have been ranked higher. Well, <clears throat> number one would be the safest place to live. Yeah, it had based like, on reportable crimes, based on violent crimes, violent crimes. Um, yeah, I would. I mean, it, it certainly should be in the top ten. Okay, good. There's yeah, no doubt. And it was, and I was proud to see that, and I was happy right. to see that. And like, 
the two towns that were in first place I'd never heard of, but they were, um, they had like not even a measurable amount, like like zero crimes in a year, zero violent crimes. Well, I, and it's that's that's a number, right? That's right. statistics. Those can be wary of those. <clears throat> I, for whatever reason, I, I'm going to say that our number was three. Like there was only three in this time period that it was measured. Are they talking about like? I mean, like I'm. I mean, when I think of a violent crime, I'm thinking of murder, high speed chase, gun shootout. Like, right. In my mind, that's what right. a violent crime. Well, is. I have. I, I don't know what the parameters of their, their research. Yeah, was. I, I get that, but like, I don't feel like I hear about a ton of super violence in this area. I I, I do believe that Jefferson County is absolutely a very safe place to live and raise a family. Right. Um, I. There, there's probably more that happens that you're not aware of, mm-hmm. um, and there's pockets of, of places where there's probably a, a potential, a greater potential for something to happen to you. But all in all, this is a great place to live, raise a family. Okay, I, and that's what I intend to do. Right, and that that's what I was going to get to next was. That was just kind of morbid curiosity. Like, there's this sensationalism of like, how, like, what? How, I'm not, I'm not hearing about a ton of. You define violent crime differently than I define violent crime. Like, there's sure. crime, but then like, how do I quantitate the word violent? That's where I was kind of struggling with that part of the content. Was just well, I guess there is violent if if there's sexual assault and there's violence if there's, um, basic assault or whatever that would be called. Um, and then there's not really any violence in stealing a car and dumping it somewhere, but it's still a felony. So it's still something that comes across your table. But I, I guess the, I don't really know how to wrap that part of the content up, but I, I'm glad you're doing it. And I'm glad that my County does seem very safe. It seems very safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when you have, <clears throat> t- to me, like, like, you know, unfortunately there's always going to be something bad is going to happen where there's going to be a murder. Right. And, uh, you, what you, ah, this is just so, seems so callous, but you, you want to see that as two people that know each other versus a random act of violence. Um, you know, you, cause you can, you can understand that a little better. It, the, the herd's not as up, not upset as much when there's a roaming random predator out there. Right. Um, and that seems that seems terrible for me to even say it out loud, but uh, but random violence is definitely something that that I think negatively. Well, any type of violence, but would be a predictor of a unsafe neighborhood. And okay, there, trust me, there's plenty of violent crime in Jefferson County, but we have we have really good police officers, right? Um, that do what they can. I mean, and. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times police are in a reactive posture. They they don't know what's going to happen. They can't you know, predict the future. So something bad has to happen to trigger their interaction. Right. And they do a good job once they're involved. I agree. Every every police officer I've met in this county or in the towns has been just really strong character. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie back to something that I'm, I'm a little bit curious about. There was a a gentleman that was found murdered in Summit Point. Yes. In a field. And 
I guess you have to collaborate with other states and even other counties and other different forces to figure that out because didn't he come from Maryland? He was uh, this is an allegation. I don't, I'm not sure of the status of the case in Maryland. Oh, okay. But there was a the 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 those two people that were charged there was two people charged in Maryland with his murder. Okay. And the the act and acts occurred in Maryland and the body was brought here and left in a field. So in that situation it's it's out of your hands. Well, As we have we have we have in we indicted those two people as well for they are and I can't comment beyond that, beyond what's in the public I thought, was, I thought that was old enough that we could talk about it now. So okay. No, they but they've been charged the two people that were implicated in that that were charged in Maryland have been charged here for uh or it's tampering with a body. Okay. It's a felony. I got it. Yeah, so it's it's still that that case is still active, so we can't discuss that one. Um okay, well let's let's talk about um let me hear you brag. Tell me about some really <laughs> great things. Give me Two or three really great things you guys have done um, since you've taken office that you're really proud of. Well, we've reestablished community partnerships, and we've also established new ones. Um, we're we're adding more tools to the toolbox, and I, we're holding more people accountable when they enter the system. Now, accountability, like we've been talking about for the last 30, 45 minutes, means different things. Some, sometimes holding someone a, a person accountable means making sure that they spend the rest of their life in jail because they're a danger to society or they've done something that's so terrible that retribution is the only thing that we can do at that point. But it also means these low, lower level offenses, people shoplifting or pet larceny, we can get we can hold them accountable by getting them into a structured environment that's going to require them to be drug tested frequently. Uh, participate in a medically assisted treatment program, receive counseling from a psychiatrist or psychologist, um, behavioral, you know, getting to the root cause of why someone's abusing drugs. We're doing those things as well. So the backlog of cases, there was a lot of, a lot of cases that had just set felony levels had set for a decade or longer. Um, we and have, when you mean set, you mean they weren't actually tried? <clears throat> they were never indicted. They, they were charged in magistrate court. They probable cause was found or they were bound over and then they just withered on the vine and died outside of prison. The case never didn't proceed. It just, they were charged and then nothing ever happened. Okay. And then I was going to bring this up a little later, but so it's possible that somebody could be in your position and not be proactive to fill the toolbox with more tools it's easier just to just or not saying easier i'm just saying somebody in your position in a different county hypothetically could be okay let's just try this one let's try that one let's yeah, try this yeah. one and and, then... and and i have that same discretion right prosecutorial discretion we because we don't we don't try every case we don't indict every case a lot of cases get resolved by a plea agreement and okay you know a lot of people don't don't necessarily agree with plea agreements and and you know I, I'm, I'm I understand that everybody has their own sense of justice and what should happen in a case and you know we're they don't have the benefit of seeing everything like we do and I'm not saying we get always get it right right because we're human beings sure we're prone to you know we're at, 
we're we sometimes make the wrong decision but um, overall we have a process we have a review system here now where the cases are getting attention earlier and they're getting followed up with that's awesome I, I mean to to even fathom a 10-year backlog I mean if I created a felony and then I'm out on am I out on bail is that the, is that the case and then yeah. I'm on bail for 10 years yep. And then, if, and then at some point, somebody lost the paperwork at the courthouse because now there's computers or something like that, like literally something. And then I just, I was never. There, there were people getting declined from jobs because they had outstanding charges from a decade ago. Wow. That was, that was an article that was in the paper prior to me running for office. So you're putting tools in the toolbox and you've got a motivated staff that you probably rebuilt on some levels. They saw sure. things the way you wanted them to be. Right, right. And so you have some like-minded assistant prosecutors, and you're just knocking these things down as systematically as possible within your ability. Right. And, and you know, I always tell my assistants, look, you know, you make the best decision. You make what you make the decision that you think is right, and I will back you up and, you know, ask questions you know, what tools do you need to be successful? And, you know, I understand that people don't agree with every decision that we make here, but I, and I, and I'm okay with that. Like, I, like I, I recognize that that's part of it. And, um, but the one criticism that I cannot take and I, is when someone doesn't feel like they've been listened to like a victim, I, I, go bonkers over that and you know really work to make sure that that doesn't happen yeah that's i guess you would assume that everybody's doing things the way that you're doing them and that might not be the case anywhere else or 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 putting a priority on that yeah i mean we need to understand that you know i may, I may deal with 100 cases in a day and you know i have i might have a, a murder case and then i'll have a a a, a battery case where someone spit on outside of sheets you know it which one's more serious right. right the murder case but the person that got spit on that's a that has to miss a day of work to come to court that's a big deal to them yeah it's the biggest thing going on in their life at that time right and so you know we can't we can't just be dismissive of of those people we have to make sure that you know hey look i read i read your file you know i, I read the police report I, you know tell me your side you know what? What would? What are your expectations for this case? I like to ask that question. You know, um, and they're cool with it. Like they'll they'll tell you if you listen, they'll tell you what what they expect. Right. And if you can kind of match that up, like you know, maybe that there's some bad evidence in the case, and we have to maybe strike a deal that we otherwise wouldn't do, because um, we have to always evaluate the strength of the evidence. Then you know we. They'll probably understand that. So you're also providing a bit of a service to the victim, and and then if you if you're in communication with the victim, if they want to be involved, yeah, then they can actually understand why you went the path you went, and you it's 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 like clear communication. Sure, and and they they may not like it, but they'll understand it. Yeah, and they'll feel much better about the system. Instead, there's nothing worse than feeling like you've been ignored and you've been by the whole system or an office, and you've just been you're just another cog in the wheel. That 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 to me is that's a stereotype of the justice system. It's a stereotype of government employees that 
I will not tolerate. That's great. I'm learning just how deep this position goes, you know, and, and if you don't understand the system, it's good to learn this. I'm really happy we're having this conversation. Um, does, is there anything, give me something else that you want to brag about and I'll bring up my, uh, probably my, one of my last things in a minute, but what's another thing that you're really happy that your office has been successful at? Well, I, I'm very proud of the people that we have here and that's, I'm, I'm 10%. I told him the other day, I'm 10% of this organization as far as it goes with the attorneys. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm in, insignificant compared to the rest of them. They're 90%. I'm one, I'm 10%. But I love to see them do well, excel to prof their profession. Um, all of them that are, that are here, um, you know, have a passion for this, this type of work. They want to see that the community, you know, serve the community. They want to do be better attorneys. They will, you know, your reputation as an attorney, you should guard with your life. That they teach us that in law school because that's that's basically all you have. And you know, they do things the right way. They don't cut corners. And um, they want to be better. And so my job is to give them the tools to to be those things. That's great, Matt. The Three or four that I've met uh, as acquaintances from your office have been really strong character, yeah. it, really incredibly good character. And you can see they're not miserable in their life. They're actually, right. they have smiles. <laughs> yeah. And like I saw one when I came in the office here and it's just all smiles, like happy to see you, not, not walking hunched over, sad, or, you know, just, you know, mad at their jobs. Like they, they seem to know that they're making a difference in their and they're happy to be at their job. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, recently, one of my assistants was a, given a recognition by the Eastern Panhandle Empowerment Center for her efforts on behalf of victims, and that 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 was really cool. That's really awesome. Really yeah. cool. I was so happy, so happy for her. And that, that's the type of thing that makes me proud. Um, we get sometimes we get cards from victims. You know, or a picture of a, a child that's doing well now. Right. Uh, we have those up on a board, and uh, those are really cool. Those are things we're proud of. We can't really, we can, obviously, we can't talk about it. Sure. Or say who they are, but uh, the little things like that are why we do our job. Um, you know, I'm proud when a a person who graduates drug court. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. Yeah, and they're they're turning their life around. I, that, I, I don't want to see people fail. I don't want to see them back in a month with new charges. Right. And that brings me to my next uh, question. You know, Matt, you're, you're involved in numerous civic groups. You know, you, like you said, you give back to the community um, in, in a way that um, is measurable for sure. Uh, one, and this may not be for this conversation, but one of the conversations we've had in the past was about I don't want to use the word recycling people back in. What's the word when somebody's maybe gone to jail once or twice? They're trying to get their heads out of their butt. Um, and I, I believe there's programs that help them assimilate back into reentry programs. Is that what it, I was thinking? Recycle. But yes, a reentry. Is that something that, whether it's your office or you personally are involved in? <clears throat> we're, we're not involved with re, like reentry programs from okay. prison. That is the. Um, Depart. They changed their name, but it's the Division of Corrections. Okay. 
And but they do the parole office does use our our DRC our day report center. Right. Excuse yeah. me. Sure. For services for monitor like the, with the drug testing and behavioral health services and psychiatric services, they, they the local parole board will, will use them. So they're that's the only um, that's about as close as we touch to that. Okay. Um, I. Th- but I do think that that's something that is lacking. I mean, most people that go to jail or prison are getting out at some point. Right. The large majority of them are getting out, probably like 90 to 95% of them. And we're not doing, they're not doing them any favors by, by not investing in their skills to get out. If you get out of jail, prison, and you don't have a driver's license, you don't have a place to go. You got, yeah. What are you going to do? You're going to revert back to what you know. Um, and if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that bottom base of the pyramid is not, you don't come out of jail and th- start thinking about self actualization. You yeah. come out and think about where am I going to eat? Shelter. Where, where am I going to sleep? What Shelter, am I going to eat? Yeah. And if you can't get that, if you don't have that available, you'll end up back in jail, which satisfies that bottom layer. Right. Yeah, that's – I've wondered about that because as an employer, there's a lot of people who apply for painting or sometimes people who are coming out of jail or they've been in trouble in the past and they don't have the right paperwork and stuff like that. So even though it's not about your positioning as your position as the prosecuting attorney, I know you and I have discussed what options some people have to get their yeah. life on track. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll be dealing with them if they don't. Right. Right? Because they're going to commit further crime. And then let's say someone – then what are you supposed to do with them? You have to send them back to jail. They've already – they've been incarcerated. They get out. They don't learn their lesson. they got to go back. That's that's how it's normally going to go. Right. Well, it's – there's so much that kind of needs to be developed and needs to be improved on. I'm glad you're doing in the prosecuting attorney's office. You're, you're doing – you're making good changes. You're making – you're adding tools to the toolbox to encourage people to to fly right. Um, what about the future? What are we looking at um, moving forward? You have to. You're up for election again. I am. Yeah. When is that? It's November. November of this year. Of this year, I can't remember which Tuesday it is. It's. I think it's earlier. It's like the third sure. or fourth. Um, is there anything you're changing, anything you want to share with people as to why to vote for you again? Well, I'm unopposed. Okay. There's that. Um, so I guess, I, you know, I hope that – and let me tell you why being unopposed is important. I Obviously, you know, it's, it's guaranteed that you're going to get reelected. Right. It's the only way. And I hope. I've, I've described this before is like, I hope the reason why I'm unopposed is because the local bar of lawyers thinks that, that I've, you know, my office has done a good job and they like the direction that this is going. Why, why is the local bar involved? The, the attorneys? Yeah. Well, you have to be an attorney to run for this position. Oh, so the, the bar isn't appointing people to run their, well, the, the someone else has decided. Well, I think I can do a better job. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An opponent. Oh, so it's not like a board 
that's sitting there saying, no, hey, the let's get Joe Snuffy a, to run against Matt Harvey. Yeah, when you're a, a lawyer, you're in the bar. I got you. So in other words, you're under the assumption that most of the people who've – they believe that you're doing the right work and that's why they're not stepping up to replace you. And I, it's I, not about popularity. It's about making a difference or it's about um, – or it's about getting the job done correctly, and and believe people hopefully they believe that you are. I, yes, yes. I, I don't I don't assume that that's right. That's why I didn't have opposition. I, I'm hoping that's why. That's why is because they they believe in that the this office is going in the right direction, has the right trajectory, and you know we're going to keep continue getting better. You know that I, I didn't just run for re-election just to run for re-election. You know it's something that I talked about with my wife. It's 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 not easy to be in this position. There's a tremendous amount of stress. I have, um, right, you know, a lot going on. Um, my response, uh, one of my attorneys comes to work and they make a mistake. You know, they're responsible for that. I'm I'm responsible for my mistakes plus everyone else's. Oh yeah, sure. And 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 I I I know that and I accept that. And I I'll you know take. I'll gladly, you know, shoulder that for them when I can. Um, and then we'll, we're going to use it as a learning lesson to move forward so they don't make that mistake again. Um, that's what I think being a leader is about. Um, but I, I, I want to finish the job. I don't, I think we've laid a really good foundation. I don't think the house is complete yet. If I thought, I'd done enough. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have ran. Okay. You know, I, I can't say that I'm a lifer in this position. I I don't know. I'm going to reevaluate every time there's the the term is up. One of the things that spooked me about ever running for office for for any position, frankly, is that I don't want to work hard for two, four, or six years to get something up and running, or to just scratch the surface at making progress, only to lose what would be a popularity contest. It's. And that would be really annoying to me. It's like, why did I pump out so hard for four years just to have somebody who yeah. said the right things, even though I put all this hard work into something? Yeah. So it's a, it's a real blessing. And don't you... come in and tear down everything you've built. Right. And, and build and, your own monument. Totally, right? And, and, <laughs> yeah. And you – I know it's, it. It's really great that you've got – you've already built upon a foundation that you built. So you'll actually be able to expand upon that. Is there anything exciting that – I guess not exciting, but is there anything that you're excited about that um, is coming up that whether it's through collaboration or initiatives that you want to talk about? No, I don't. I mean, we, there, there are things in the works. Sure. I, I'm not going to talk about them. Okay. Bef you know, I don't want to jinx them, right? But you don't want to let – I don't want to promise something and then not be able to deliver on it. That makes sense, yeah. But I'm always, always engaged and and, and – uh, looking for other opportunities to use this office as a platform to make the community better. Um, I have learned so much from interacting with the community. You know, I don't, I don't want this to be an island and a lot of good ideas I have gotten from being out there and interacting with the community. And, and a lot of times it's from people that I normally wouldn't agree with, but they have really strong points, really strong ideas. Um, you know, I've always learned more from people I disagree with than people I agree with. I think most of us are probably like that. Right. So, um, you know, I represent, I want to represent all the people of Jefferson County. All, I don't want any, any, you know, section of the county or 
to think that they've been overlooked at the, or, or something. I just want to know that we're out there working for them. Well, Matt, it sounds like a heck of a position. It sounds like it's a... Uh, it's rewarding. Yeah. It's very rewarding. I imagine you had to learn a lot uh, stepping into the position, too, to uh, figure out how, how to do all these things. You seem like a natural. You seem like you've really got it together. So that's... <laughs> well, thank you. That's, that's, that's very kind. Well, I mean, there's, there's there's times when there's times when people can end up in a position and they might be floundering or they might be like, I had no idea. And so often, and I say this on a lot of podcasts, so often people will recommend, hey, you should run for this. You should run for that. Hey, you'd be a great person for this. Yeah. But they're just speaking without any knowledge of the position. So it's great that you were an assistant prosecutor. Um, at one point, and it was really great that you were a, def a defense lawyer. Absolutely, so, I, I knew what they were doing right. I knew what they were doing wrong. Right, and um, like I said, in, in conversations we've had before, you, I, I really like your aggression. I like how you're like, I'm going after bad people. We're gonna get them, and we're gonna do, we're gonna do what has to be done, and we're gonna make a safer environment. And that's, man, that's it's really admirable, and. And congrats on being in the position. I'm really happy for you. And I'm happy for your office. And I'm I'm stoked that we have somebody as, I guess, the the top law dog on some levels, right? Uh, I am the chief law enforcement officer of the county, yes. Yeah, so you're the you're the top guy. And <laughs> it's it's good to um it's good to know you're there. And I and I think that getting to know you in this conversation and having known you from before, I'm really confident. So was there anything else you wanted to share? Anything else you we missed? I, I we we covered a we covered a little bit of everything, but not a lot of anything. Right. Yeah, it's it's a. I th I think though people will get that listen to this will will, you know, hopefully see that this is, you know, uh, there's some complexity to this job that that's that absolutely everybody here is on board and working together, and that we all enjoy it. Like, you know, uh, we're all we're here to serve. Um, and you know, if if the community can just have have trust in us, and I, I mean, with you know, they get to know us after a while, and they be like, I know I know that this case is in good hands, right? I know I I know what that office is about. I know that they'll make the right decision or the best decision that they can with the information that they have. That that would be a, a that would be a really rewarding. That would probably be the pinnacle of my career. Well, my goal for this podcast was to just to learn a little bit. And uh, like you said, the complexity is what I'm taking away from this also. It's nothing I ever understood or could have put my finger on before this conversation. So I think it's I think it's really great. Um, if there's ever a time in the future where you're there's some sort of thing that your office wants to put out, please, please feel free to use yeah. the, this podcast as one of the ways to, to share it. I mean, I... I I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but I imagine like, okay, we're, you know, let's, let's go after these drug dealers this way, or let's, let's make sure we have a great case put this way. And it all has to be kept quiet until you've had a great success, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, so there's always kind of that mystery behind it, but I guess what I'm really impressed by, or what I've really learned a lot about is the, um, the victim advocacy. That's, that's a piece I was never even considering. So. Oh yeah, it's forefront. Right, and the fact that you have four people who are there to um, to help 
um, people down that path yeah. is is really great. Also, we try not to re-traumatize people that have been traumatized. Right. Um, and I know we also can't really talk about specific cases because of all of those <clears throat> reasons, but. Um, I think people's minds can go where they need to go. Um, and that Matt Harvey and his team are, like you said, the case is in good hands. That That's my goal, is to get the community where they they feel that way. Nice. All right, anything else? Monroe says hello to everyone. Yeah. Is, it, is he still at your feet? He's now moving. He's <clears throat> So I, I've... He just, I, he just offered a yawn. <laughs> I'll show, so, so obviously, I've been calling you... In my head, behind your back, Kevin Brogan. Brogan? After after Joe Rogan. Oh, my. <laughs> That's really funny. Because Bro- he's a popular podcaster, right? Absolutely, yeah. He, yeah uh, he's got, he's, he's somebody I listen to a lot to, and I've, I've somewhat modeled my um, my formatting of the content off of. I really like that uh, kind of the long-form, casual conversation, but also knowing when you're you're in your place learning something that you're just like, what? I don't even know what question to ask next, you know? And this conversation was really on that kind of parallel. And I like that the bro, yeah, yeah. his name's Rogan and my name's Brackens and I started bros. So I'm the bro. So I'm the Brogan. That's really silly. That's really funny. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, it's not the best mashup of a name I've done. No, but it's good. It's, it's good. I see good. where it works. It's okay. Definitely. It's okay. Well, cool, man. Thank you to you. Thank you to Monroe for keeping this room safe. And Your feet warm. Yes. Yeah. Um, thanks, Matt. Thanks for all the information. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Kevin. Thank you. One of my friends from the Leadership West Virginia program, Rob Passmore, is this year's race director for the Poco River 15K. The Poco River 15K is West Virginia's oldest road race, and this year it is held on May 2nd. Poca is just a few miles north of Charleston, West Virginia. This year's course is the same as the older course because the new bridge has been built and they can run across the bridge and complete the loop. If you want to learn more about this 15K, which comes out to 9.3 miles, you can look it up, Poca, P-O-C-A, River Run on Facebook.com or Poca River Run on RunSignUp.com. Have you heard of Bracken's painting? I started Bracken's painting back in 2011. We do both residential and commercial painting. We have contractors licenses in West Virginia and Virginia, and we carry all the necessary insurances, like workers' comp, general liability. Uh, We operate a small staff that focuses on meeting the homeowner's needs and project manager's timeline expectations. Uh, we We try to have exceptional attention to detail. If you're interested in doing any sort of commercial or residential painting, please contact Bracken's Painting. More information can be found at www.brackenspainting.com. Today's intro music is a song called Saving Lives and Taking Wives. It is written and produced by Peter Clark, my cousin. Actually, my wife's cousin, but I'll take him as my cousin because he's a pretty cool dude. He um, dropped an album called Peter Clark After Dark. He's been producing electronic, loungy, make-out music for years, and he's been nice enough to let me use it on this podcast. You can reach Peter Clark for bookings or just to hear his music on SoundCloud. Just search Peter Clark After Dark.